Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Podcast. The only podcast where we take a certain genre, character, uh, director, or actor and talk about their nice movies, their naughty movies, and their sometimes horrible movies. (laughs) And Merry Christmas, I am Micah. Hey, I'm Kelly. And I'm Charles. That wasn't as good as the Star Wars one that we did last week, but, you know... All my intros I don't even are not. What, you, what did you do last week? I don't even remember. I did the light side, dark side, and the side. Thing. I think your May West one was your best intro, personally. Okay. Yes, agreed. All right. Well, you know what? That's my New Year's resolution to get better intros for you, Charles. That's, that's not I a bad think, resolution. I think that's your good. resolution. Oh, I, think should... I like this. Yeah. Wow! Everybody's attacking me. Yeah, yeah. Your intros suck. You should do a better intro. No, whoa, no. Whoa, I was going to say your resolution whoa. should be to talk like Mae West more often because oh, okay. that was that. amazing. I was right. giving you a compliment, <laughs> but jeez, Louise. Uh, I guess I heard something different. So yes, we are doing Christmas movies. <laughs> Christmas family I, comedies. I heard something to be different. Precise. I thought we were doing Christmas family comedies. <laughs> Christmas uh, family comedies, yes. Yeah, so. How much eggnog have you had today? I'm just curious. <laughs> no, still, uh, still sticking with coffee. Mm. Um, so the way that we always do, I, I'm so sorry. We have a special guest. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hey, Topher. Hello. I see you over there, Topher. Well, okay. First of all, he's live via satellite. <laughs> This if you're wondering why he may sound funny, it's not because he's looking across the room and seeing him. I just want to clarify that. Yeah. I like that we have our own satellite dedicated yes, to the podcast. Every yes. time I'm on, it's live via satellite. Well, you remember when we, we were reviewing Boggy Creek Part 2, we had to use the same technology, so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that guy had some kind of, you know, hillbilly landline. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Topher, uh, coming to us from Atlanta, Georgia, one of the original founders of the Good, the Bad, the podcast, and uh, welcome so much. Thanks for coming back for our Christmas special. Always a pleasure. So yeah, if you see some of the original episodes pop up in your your iTunes subscription, it's because I'm finally getting around to posting them. As we mentioned last time, you know, we, we found the drunk episode, the, I guess, infamous at this point, drunk episode. <laughs> Um, so we got a lot of good stuff coming out. I think all told, we probably have about 12 episodes. That's all we got around to in like a five year period. We watched like, you know, 10 movies. I don't know, I guess 20 movies. They were incredibly obscure movies. It's not like you can just go out to the store and buy Puma Man, you know? Well, I was trying to, the last one that was the big holdup was the uh, Tony Blair Witch Project. I was actually talking to the director on IMDb trying to get a copy, but I had no such luck. Wow. Like, he just, he didn't even have a copy. He could have been lying to me. I don't know, but it sounded legit. Because I figure someone that was lying would say, yeah, sure, send me 50 bucks. This guy was like, no, I don't want to sell it. I'll have to check with Tony Blair. He might have a copy. I doubt it. So, uh, Kelly, what are the movies that we picked for? We... we, we uh, collaborated and picked these movies. What a great setup. Yes, this is... Uh, we we kind of did this in the same way we did our Christmas special last year. We all put our heads together, as you said, and picked... Um, you know, We didn't pick them individually, so our picks for this year, Christmas family comedies, are um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Jingle All the Way with Arnold, and... Gosh, what was that? Oh, Saving Christmas. How could I forget? It's that forgettable. It's that forgettable. So... So, um, we already know, <clears throat> it's not a big reveal for us, which one is our good, bad, and ugly. We all know it. We knew it going into it. Uh, except you, Topher. Yeah. 
because uh, we can't see, they can't see your thumbs up. <laughs> Excellent. That's true. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting. Yes. Um, yes. You don't have any idea what I'm thinking. Yeah. But I, uh, I never do. Yes. Because uh, I, I called, I called him, uh, I called Topher last uh, week and told him the movies, but we, we kind of decided together, you know what? Let's not tell him which one is which, but have you figured it out? Well, I, <laughs> yes, I think so. I think I have. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is our, is our good, the good choice. That is correct. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation from 1989. Um, anybody like to start? I, I would like to start by saying that I love this movie. I don't always... I was saying this is some, I think maybe you, Charles, the other day. Um, I, I'm not always huge on physical comedy. Like, it's kind of hit or miss for me. Um, and Chevy Chase, you know, he's, he's funny sometimes, funny, you know, not other times. But this movie, I've seen it a few times now. And re-watching it for this podcast, I was crying laughing. I mean, it just, it cracks me up. It's definitely my favorite Christmas comedy. It's like a tradition around my house to watch this movie. Uh, we watch it probably once a year. I love this movie. And uh, the reason I was thinking, that I had it in my mind that it, it would be a good good pick, or the, the best example, is because um, it's so true to, it's so true to family Christmas gatherings. And, you know, you, Chevy Chase's character, Clark Griswold, is the forever optimist. And he, you know, tries so hard to make the Christmas perfect and all these things are going wrong, but he's still, no, come on guys, it's Christmas. We can get through this. You know, we're going to have the best Christmas ever. And until the point where, and this happens in all the Lampoon, uh, the vacation movies to the point where he just breaks and just gives up. And then the family or something happens that kind of brings his faith back or brings him back to, uh, loving the vacation or loving Christmas in this case. And, uh, I, I, there have been so many times in, my life especially in my adulthood where i've had expectations for christmas okay now we're going to do this and we're going to do this and it just falls apart <laughs> but it always turns out and it always it happens and it's a great memory always and it, so i i can relate to that movie so well can i say this is a point of contention for me um i actually don't really like this movie uh, <laughs> Charles, did we force you, you into yeah. it, Charles? Do you not? How many times we were talking about it, and I was like, "How about this movie? How about this I one?" Knew, you, you know I, what? I, 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 I can look through our text feeds, and this is literally the text feed was, "What about Elf? What about Christmas Story? What about <laughs> this?" And Kelly and I constantly going, "No, let's stick with Vacation." Yep. So he was outvoted. In yep. fairness, in fairness, Elf is a pretty good movie, and so is uh, the uh, Christmas Story. Those are good movies. And Home too. Alone. Home Alone. Home Alone's very good. Love so, Actually. So, that's, so not a Christmas an interesting movie. segue because what <laughs> I love about this movie, there are two things that I love about this movie that I didn't, I didn't quite, I had never really been able to kind of put into words until I rewatched it. Not obviously like this week. Um, and the two things are a. Chevy Chase, and this sounds absurd when I say it out loud, but hear me out. Chevy Chase's range in comedy, okay? His ability to be the guy who's like that slapstick comedy where he has sap on his hands and he can't turn the pages and he's like ripping the magazine out and his wife's hair and all that stuff. (laughs) It's goofy, silly, physical comedy, and it's great. But then he also, not 10 minutes later, is playing the straight man next to Randy Quaid. 
Yeah. Yes. He's like he's the straight man, and that's that's amazing that he can play both that slapstick and the straight character. That's very hard. Yeah. The only thing that I didn't realize until I was watching it is John Hughes wrote and produced this movie. I know, yes. me too. That was a revelation for I me. I totally didn't know that. And John Hughes has this amazing ability to write characters that are really deep, that aren't one-dimensional, right? That are that are kind of like this weird dichotomy. So you have you have this character who on the one hand, wants his family to have the greatest Christmas vacation ever and is willing to do anything to do it, but is also, like, flirting with the lingerie girl (laughs) and is, like, fantasizing about it. And who's, like, totally sane and calm and rational and then freaks out. And it's, like, he's a real person. Like, I I don't want to say that he's totally believable in every respect, but it's far more three-dimensional than most movies would make that character out to be. Absolutely. So I think those two pieces are great. I I love kind of to that point the scene where he's trapped in the attic and he's so cold and he's like going through all of the mink stoles and all the like grandma's clothing and it's just so ridiculous in the in the most you know classic kind of played out of ways you know oh he's wearing women's clothes it's hilarious but then it's like a really tender scene when he's watching all the home movies and and you kind of like tear up a little bit and then he falls through the you know the floorboards or whatever but but it it does it goes back and forth so many times right and there was no and there was no payoff there right like the entire point of that scene was that he had that moment that never came into play later it was just He's a person. Things mm-hmm. affect him. It was just, I don't know, it was for being as goofy and silly and over the top as the movie is, I think his ability to play both sides of the coin and John Hughes' ability to set him up and put it in his strike zone was just, it just worked out beautifully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, to your credit, Charles, the um, I, I actually, a close second is A Christmas Story. That's one that I was really flirting with for this. But when I looked at it, as a kid... Christmas story I really related to because it stole from a kid's perspective um, and that kind of youthful optimism of Christmas and oh it's going to be perfect what I love about Christmas Vacation is because as an adult I relate to it so much more because I'm seeing it I'm seeing Christmas and all these traditions and putting up the tree and how you know when we were kids putting up the tree was fun and it was just fun to do and and uh, you know putting up the Christmas lights outside but as an adult your kid's not helping you out <laughs> you're doing it all and sure they're having fun watching you do it and i'm sure i had fun watching my dad do it but it's a chore yeah and and that's kind of how um i i can relate with christmas vacation more now well to be clear i don't hate this movie i like it I, well i just don't i don't think it's the best christmas comedy um but part of that is I kind of what you guys are talking about. You still with this over? Does it look like the satellite feed yeah. cut out? Okay. I'm good. I'm good. Um, part of it was that I feel like you mentioned tone and you mentioned him going from you know different style to different style. I I agree. The Chevy Chase is great. I'm a big Chevy Chase fan, but sometimes it the scenes didn't gel for me. Like it seemed like it wanted to be this heartfelt family comedy. And then it would throw in Cousin Eddie dumping sewage. <laughs> or it would cut to Elaine uh, next door getting, you know, whatever. And it's like, there were these kind of zany moments. Like, I feel like, I feel like it cut back and forth too much from the, from the Griswolds, you know? But isn't that how so many of his movies always are? They're silly, but they're... Yeah. Well, yeah, but the, I mean, have you seen a lot of the other vacation movies? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like the first one is still the best. And then Eurotrip is awful. Um, it's not awful. 
Have you watched it recently? <laughs> I guess not yeah. recently. It, it ends with their airplane clipping the Statue of Liberty and like. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, well, neither did I until I rewatched it. But the, <laughs> I, but like that's the thing. I, I get, I like, I can relate to a lot of it. I like it. But even like you're talking about, he's having that fantasy about the lingerie woman. He's sees her outside. They go from that fantasy, which is very much, you know, like Fast Times at Ridgemont High kind of fantasy. You go from that fantasy. All of a sudden, he's helping out his his niece or whatever, and he's having a tender moment about how Santa, Santa Claus. Claus is real. And that doesn't gel for me. Like these type of this humor is. I mean, maybe that's a real person. Maybe you're saying it's more rounded, but I just felt like you were throwing these kind of different types of humor together and seeing what happened and hoping that Chevy Chase can make it work. And apparently for you guys, Chevy Chase made it work entirely. But Mm -hmm. for me, it felt false. So you're saying if it wasn't Chevy Chase, then this movie would not have been successful. Well, partially, but I also think that Beverly D'Angelo constantly playing the straight man to, to Clark... Uh, to, to Chevy Chase, I, I think she really sells the movie too. That's true. Mm-hmm. I yes. think the I think the the um, the rest of the family's funny, um, but a little cousin Eddie goes a long way for me. Cousin Eddie, every time mm-hmm. he's on screen, it's such a different type of comedy, and I like Randy Quaid, but I I don't know. I mean, it, it, the whole payoff with him, you know, pouring the sewage in the thing and the, the you know the lighting up the match at the end. I just, that just doesn't feel like the, a good movie to me. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, well, I can tell you, th- there is there is one scene that is really, this past time that I watched it stood out to me and I went, that scene does not fit with this movie, is the sled scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it just, and it, it lasted too long. And, and you the know. The bad it, screen. and Yeah, whoops. It, it, it could have been, I guess that, that whole joke could have been paid off in, you know, a... 30 to a 30 second to a minute clip you know of him going yeah i just put this on shoots off and then it cuts to another scene you know yeah it was but they, they... i think i think though that a lot of the things you're describing are very indicative of john hughes movies right you have that very heartfelt scene where they're walking through the city in chicago talking about like what are you going to do when you graduate blah 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 blah, blah. and then suddenly ferris bueller's singing on a float and then you know you have this really tender moment in um breakfast club where they're all talking about like life at home and my dad beats me and then suddenly they're they're high and they're dancing around in the library like i think that's just kind of what he does he 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 doesn't he keeps you off balance so that when he has that tender moment it comes across even more tender by contrast and when you have that zany goofy it comes across more zany and goofy by contrast if it was all just zany goofy it wouldn't feel it wouldn't. It wouldn't be funny. I, I don't know. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just for me it works. I guess. But I, I think I think it's better when he's actually directing it. Agreed. I think his no, scripts totally that he directs that. are better. Mm-hmm. But his scripts and other people directed, I don't always think they work. I agree. I agree. And this is one of those cases. I think. I think. Yeah. I don't know. So shall we uh, move on to the bad? Sure. So the bad uh, goes by many names. <laughs> Uh, but this is uh, what we and we let, let's just say that we went through a lot of movies. All three of us kind of dug through a lot of movies trying to figure out which one is the worst. And um, we finally came to the conclusion of this based on the Rotten Tomato score, which was what? Right. So so let me say it real quick. We're talking about Saving Christmas. It has a currently it has a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it was nominated for several Razzies. It actually won Worst Picture of the Year, 
it it won also won worst uh, couple, which was uh, worst on screen couple, which was Kirk Cameron and his ego. That's actually what the award was made out to. Uh, um, yes. Oh. Wow. And then, um, and then, uh, it. I believe at one point on IMDb, it was voted the worst movie of all time. Currently, it's at number four. So you and I would have probably had to watch it at some point, Topher, if we'd have continued our thing. But, but I also there's something we talked about too. We want to be clear on this. It's a you know, I don't want to say quote unquote, but quote unquote Christian movie, and we are not attacking the subject or the message. We want to be clear that this is a bad movie, no matter what the subject was, or the message, or the theme, or anything mm-hmm. else. And let me speak to that too, because uh, and uh, Charles and I, we actually we talked about this a lot, and uh, we've had we've had other um, discussions. You know, well, what about this movie, and what about this genre, and this type? And we we're like, oh, would that be too politically driven? And we did decide to to go ahead and go with this one. And I'll, I'll say this just right out that. I was looking at this, and I personally am a Christian. I um, believe in the teachings of Christ, and so I and anybody who you know is is around me, they they know that about me. I was viewing his message and what he's trying to say. That Christmas, at least to me and my family, uh, is about when God sent his gave. Uh, his love to mankind. And so all the Christmas traditions that we do and that we, we have are an expression of love, love to family members, love to friends, uh, love to strangers. And so that's how I interpret Christmas. Um, what Kirk Cameron and I'm going to mess up his name. Is it Dennis? Darren Doan. Darren Doan. What they're trying to do is convey a message to other Christians Basically saying that, um, hey, all these traditions that you think are bad, that are pagan, that are you know hurting Christmas, actually are helping because they, um, you know, be, because they can be used as symbols of God's love, and they can be used as uh, parallels to things that are in the in the Bible. And while I personally can see where you know they're coming from on this i think the audience is misdirected and what i mean by that is this should be in a church not a movie theater and i don't mean that in the sense that it doesn't belong in a movie theater i mean like it should be the segments that are kind of like the documentary segments or the Mm -hmm. educational they should be part of a church sermon and that would be very interesting but to put it in a narrative, in a movie narrative, it doesn't work. Yeah, it's very bizarre. So, yeah, and and that's uh, exactly. And then you, like like you said, we we talked about that. Um, so you know, I guess we're gonna tread a little more lightly, but I do want to say like, I, I you know, I guess it is for other Christians. It's kind of, it's a movie that preaches to the choir, and you know the. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, literally. Isn't that really <laughs> literally figuratively? I'm not sure. Um, but the you know the, in the trailer for this, they talk a lot about putting Christ back in Christmas and all of that. And you know the title when it was first released last year, it was Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas, and that's an apostrophe s. So is that a possessive? Is it like his movie, or is that saying Kirk Cameron is literally saving Christmas? I don't know. But when it was released. <laughs> After it bombed in theaters and after it was treated so horribly by the critics, 
it was released. It's just called Saving Christmas. His name is just above the title. There's no more apostrophe S. So I don't know what that means. Did, did they? I know initially they were probably saying, Kirk Cameron, let's get him on board. He can get people and you know see this message. And now it's like it's almost like disowned. But you know, from my perspective, he comes across as so smug that if their goal at all was to get a non-believer on board with this message, it's not going to work because he he's so like pompous. It's like this is very much Kirk Cameron's view of Christianity, and that's the way. And it this he's right, you know. And it, there and there's a line in there that you know, in this movie that really just kind of got to me. They're, they're, they're basically doing this whole setup where he's explaining why Christmas trees are part of Christmas and how it's not a pagan thing, how it has nothing to do with winter solstice and all this stuff. And he and he's basically like, well, last time I checked, God invented the winter solstice. And it's like, okay, but if you're going to say that, then why have the flashback at all? Why explain anything else? Why not just say, you know what, man, you don't like Christmas, but last time I checked, God invented it all, so you're good. Yeah. That would be like someone saying, well, you know, the Big Bang Theory invented everything, so <laughs> you're God. I don't know. It's the same yeah. argument. It doesn't get you anywhere. It's not going to convert anybody that, that you want to convert. It's only talking to the people that already believe what you believe, and I don't know. So that's my issue. I'll get off the soapbox now, but we need yeah. to make fun of this movie. Kelly, well, do you have anything to say about that? Well, I mean, I, I feel like you guys covered that pretty well, um, but... <laughs> to the, the thing for me is this, it was really bad, but it was also really boring. Like a lot of it, a lot of it took place, just long stretches of plot took place where Kirk Cameron and, and the director were sitting in the car and, and the director would say one thing like, well, I'm frustrated because of this. Well, I- to clarify real quick, the director is the main character as well. Oh, yes. Sorry. He's playing a character named Christian White. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cameron is playing a character named Kirk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. So. So he. So the director is, you know, starring alongside Kirk Cameron, and and his character Christian is disillusioned with um, the way Christmas has become, and he's like, well, what, you know, Christmas trees, like, all these, we're we're practicing idolatry, and like we're doing all the wrong things, and so Kirk can't. I mean, they're just sitting in the car, and there's this. These awkward pieces of dialogue that just do not work. They're trying to be funny the and dialogue, they're not. Oh wow, the dialogue it's is is so is real painful. Bad. And there were so many times I was watching this, and more than bated breath, I felt like, you know, <laughs> is this ever is this word ever going to come out of yeah. this person's mouth? Yes, I know what they're tr- going to say. Just say it, say it, say it. You yes, know? so many, so much dramatic pausing, yeah. like just in a weird place in a sentence. Uh-huh. Just and so yeah, I mean that's really where the story takes place. Is like in this car and they're talking and 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 Darren Doan will say something and Kirk Cameron will be like, no, you're wrong, <laughs> you know, and then and then it'll cut away into into kind of a. Yeah, what would you? Uh, I mean, yeah, 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 the documentary style. The way, the way I the way I would describe it is like an educational show, kind of like a show that would be on, um, and it, this has no validity anymore, but History Channel or Discovery Channel, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. That it, it almost seemed like that. And if I was watching that, if it was Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas and here are the different things, but there was no narrative, I think I probably would have been like, okay, that's pretty, that's interesting. But the fact that there was narrative in between all those times and the narrative was so slow and so mm-hmm. boring. Oh, man, it was painful. Yeah. And then we haven't even talked about his 
friend Dwayne or uh, which guy the um, the the uh, oh with the Holy Spirit you know, oh guys. I don't even know his name it's like so uh, they're so <laughs> Monte Monte I'm yeah. not sure because I, I don't know but the <laughs> the reason we consider this a comedy. It's IMDb listed as a comedy. Now, is IMDb being ironic because it's so much fun to watch? I don't know. But as best I can tell, the scenes you're talking about are the only scenes that are meant to be comedic. And basically, in between Kirk Cameron and Christian White in their car talking about all the stuff and why it all relates to Christmas, they keep cutting back to the house and there's these, it's like two, I don't know, weird men and they... First of all, let me back up a second. So I gotta say awkward. something too. So Kirk Cameron introduces the film, and he's sitting on an obvious fake set, and he's drinking hot cocoa, which they mention a lot. But there's no cocoa in his mug. They don't even try to fake you out that there's something in his mug. Like it, he, he could turn it upside down. And it's the same. I don't know, whatever. But <laughs> but anyway, so there's another scene later on with these two men sitting in the um, in the living room, and they each have their little mug of non-filled coffee, and uh, and they. At one point, they just, like, hold the coffee mug in front of their faces so they can, like, secretly talk to each other. <laughs> secretly, it, do, secretly do voices. Yeah, it's, like, really bad uh, ADR, you know. It's, like, it's really terrible. But it's, like, they're just mouthing words behind the mug and then they just put whatever whatever they wanted to in post. But here's the thing about it. That is almost like that scene, I feel like they're trolling the filmmakers. <laughs> because they're talking about conspiracy theories and they're talking about how everything you hear on Fox News is right and and it's like that's something that someone against you know conservative and uh, Christian and all that that's something they might say so you've got characters in this movie saying that but they're taking it they're taking it at face value so are they making fun of the movie and are they making fun of the people that would say that about the movie I don't know but it's totally out of place and it's totally random and there's a segue where they talk about, uh, where later on Kirk Cameron talks about St. Nicholas and how that inspired Santa Claus. And in that sequence, the guy that, so there's a, they, they do like a flashback and they show like St. Nicholas having to beat up this other guy. And I know I'm butchering that, but the other guy he beats up, the one that, because St. Nicholas is the only one that defends Christianity and this other guy doesn't, that's the same actor that plays the guy that's doing the conspiracy theory. And I wondered, in a good film... Was that would that have been intentional? Would they have been saying, okay, this guy's the one that's like doubting and he's against conservative Christianity, and now he's in the flashback, it's played by the same actor and he's killed. It's kind of like that movie, Cloud Atlas, where dif- the like different actors played these or the same actor played a character throughout the ages. It's kind of like that. Like, is that guy in the present day? I think you're reading too much into it. Well, yeah. I said it in a good film. I think you're giving it too much but, credit. But why put that actor in both roles? Because uh, you're cheap. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. Hire Are you kidding me? Did you like... did you read the credits? How many Camerons were in this movie, or how many that are related to the director? You can't tell me one of them couldn't have got away from the dance sequence at the end. The dance sequence at the end is amazing, but you could have taken one of those people <laughs> that you don't see their faces and put them in this scene. Instead, you put the one guy that has a really weird, so weird that you remember it sequence that you're gonna put him in the past. And he beats him up like. And to it, to, uh, to uh, dubstep music. And I remember when I was talking to Micah about this scene earlier, because I was like, you know, what did... I was like, you know, I don't know the history of St. Nicholas, really at all. And I, and I asked Micah, I was like, Micah, you know, I don't know anything about that, but because I don't trust anything Kurt Cameron is saying in this movie, I automatically doubt it. I'm like, there's no way that happened. And Micah basically said the same thing. He's like, I'm going to look it up, but I don't trust Kurt Cameron either. When you're... Both of us, when you're, when both of us are saying we don't trust your narrative, there's a problem. 
Yeah. And so, it's... go ahead, Tover. Yeah. No, so I was just gonna say, so <laughs> this is kind of funny because I I actually met Kirk Cameron. Um, he came and actually came to our church and spoke at our church when I was like in high school. Um, and it's what's funny is that the character that he's playing in the movie is it's like a hyper his character because he's actually a pretty cool guy but the whole like smug thing it's i don't know it's very strange but that's what bothered me about this movie is that the problem is that we're looking at as a movie and i think we've kind of all touched on that like if that movie had just been something that you were playing in a church to supplement a sermon that your pastor was preaching about that subject it would be great Absolutely. Any church would want to have that kind of thing to play. Yeah, exactly. But but to actually sit down and go to a theater, I can't fathom having gone and paid eight bucks to go see that at a theater. I would have just, I I wouldn't have, no, there's no way. It's awful. And it's not awful regardless of whether you agree with it or not or whatever he's saying. It's bad. And even if, and, and frankly, if you do agree with him, Geez, you should be ripping him apart for making everybody that you agree with look bad. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just made it, everybody it, it, it look makes the because well, and it makes terrible. his it makes his whole message kind of null and not null and void, but it, it it makes it to it makes it to the point where people well, like Charles wants to completely tune him out <laughs> because right. he's made such a bad movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's and, like, and definitely it was at a point where it doesn't even matter what you're saying anymore. Yeah, I'm bored. It's not well done. Everything in it's poorly done. Everything. Everything from the way it's shot, mm-hmm. the way it's acted, the way it's lit, the way it's... Uh, everything is bad. Well, and the, and the way it's shot, since you touched on that, th- like, so every time Kirk Cameron would tell him the true story of the way it happened, it would cut back to Christian White and he'd be like, huh, I never thought of it that way. I never realized that. And, okay, these are kind of those moments where it's like, you know, he's... He's growing as a person in the movie. He's becoming a better person. And I feel like the visual side of that just failed it. Even if he was acting in a great way and he could really sell the performance, the camera work is so poor that it, it does four shots. Yeah. It doesn't show that. Like you don't like I can imagine, you know, that kind of reveal moment, the aha moment, you know. You could have done the you know, a, a simple dolly into him or whatever. Just something some kind of movement that signifies the transformation that's happening to the person. Instead, they're flat shots that don't change before, during, or after these sequences. And that's a problem for me. And that reminds me, I was I was reading an article, and this, again, this is going to get a little touchy, but I was reading an article about Christian films in general. And it seems to me the general consensus is that a lot of Christian films are poorly done. Um, I You know, I haven't seen a lot of them, but the few that I have, they are, they're kind of... They're kind of more generic, especially with their shot. And what I read in this article, and I can't, wish I could remember what it was, but it was basically that, you know, it, it, it's it, the, in other films, the medium is the message. You have to tell a story visually. It's a film medium, right? And because of that, filmmakers have learned to tell a lot in a movement, a camera movement, or the composition of the shot, or the lighting. Whereas, you know, a lot of Christian filmmakers, they, they don't go along to those standards, their whole thing is the message. They want to convey a message, so they're not trying to tell it from a visual standpoint. They're trying to do it in a way that might seem, to in other films, they might seem more like exposition or something that stands out. And and because of that, they, it's it's you're you're failing at but one of the basic principles of movie making, which is tell a visual story as much as the script and saying it. And I, and that's 
The same thing here. It, it, it's it's so poorly shot that again, it doesn't have any. Nothing really feels right. And like like I said, it could have been a sermon where you just hear it instead of having to see it. You know. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, I I do. We debated on what a good Christian movie is and. Would Passion of the Christ be considered a good Christian movie? I don't know. It's yeah, well, we kind of talked about that. You know, that's a. Well, what do you think, Topher? Well, I was going to say that the. I mean, the two examples that leap to mind when you're trying to, you know, the proverbial good Christian movie. Because you're right. The problem is that they're so focused on the message, they're not thinking about the art and the craft and the science that goes into making a movie. You 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 have to do those things, and um, the two that popped to my mind immediately, yes, Passion of the Christ would be one of them. Uh, the other one would be the the Ben Stein movie Expelled. I don't know if you ever saw that documentary or not, but that's actually like check that documentary out. Like whether you agree with him or not, it's a well made documentary. Like it's it's fun to watch, and Ben Stein's an entertaining guy. But Passion of the Christ is the I is precisely what you're talking about, Charles, because when you know, love him or hate him. When Mel Gibson made that movie, he intentionally made it with the plan of, I will, we're going to shoot it. They're going to speak Aramaic and Hebrew, and we are not going to release it with subtitles. The audience is just going to have to watch the movie and figure it out. Well, they did test screenings and people liked it, but they finally said, look, people are never going to see this movie if they have no idea what's going on. He's like, well, of course they're going to know what's going on. Look, look what's happening on the screen. But they ended up putting the subtitles in anyway. But on the DVD, you can still watch it without subtitles. They made sure that was still there as an option. And the movie totally works because, again, to your point, the medium is the message that you can watch the movie and it's well made. And this is not – if this movie – if you want, if you mute this movie and watch it, you have absolutely no clue what's going exactly. on because yeah. it's just people sitting around talking exactly. and, what, and then dancing. And what they're talking about isn't even like there's no story. That's the other problem. There is no story at all. Like the closest thing you can get to a story is the character Christian is unhappy and goes and sits in his car. Kirk Cameron goes and talks to him, and they come back inside. Yep, that's the story. That's it. That's, that's the, the story. Entire story. And then they dance. They dance. They do a lot of. Kurt Cameron can do the worm. And they have a Pretty very well, long. In the funny thing, they have a very long slow mo dance scene. Uh, that and then they say, "Let's feast," and you're like, "Okay, this is the end of the movie." And then they have an extremely long slow mo of them eating while Kurt Cameron is having a very very long voiceover. And at this point, you're just going, "It has to end. Yeah. <laughs> this has Please to end." end. And at, you know w- what you were saying about you know the um, the the craft the art is getting muddled by the message is uh, you know they need to go hand in hand and a- as a Christian myself I hold Christian artists up to a higher standard because I say listen if you have such an important message to convey then you need to do it in the best way possible mm-hmm. and they completely failed with this. Yep, I agree completely. Yeah. I, it's almost one of those times when you're like, I don't really want to be associated with this person. <laughs> I, I don't like that I have any association at all. And I, I certainly think it's possible. I, 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 you know, I don't think it's like in Hollywood there's no Christians. I bet there's a lot of Christians, and I bet you could find some really good talent. But you, you have to be kind of willing to embrace all the like wisdom that they can teach you. You can't just say, well, I'm going to make my own style of movie. And it's going to be for Christians and the other ones are going to like it. You have to say, okay, this guy, he may not be a Christian and I may not agree with him, but I can watch him and I can see what he does. 
him or her, and I can bring it back and I can apply it to my own craft. But they don't seem to want to do that. They want to make their own path. Very true. Yep. So let's move on to our uh, ugly pick. And uh, Christmas vacation. (laughs) Boo, boo, Charles. Uh, there's only one way I can introduce this ugly pig. Oh, good. <laughs> Darbo Man! <laughs> yes. I, I think well, that was Jingle... the one way, huh? <laughs> that's, I think Jingle All the Way is a horrible movie, but it's so much fun. Yes. Is it not? It is. not fun? It it's okay. Is. I don't hate it. I mean... It's such a classic ugly movie. You know what I remember? The... Okay, so this is nothing to do with the movie except... I remember seeing it only because I wanted to see the actor that was going to play Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, in the next... This is before episode one, and I knew this guy, Jake Lloyd, is playing his son. I want to see what he's going to be like. Are you telling me that Jake Lloyd was higher billing for you than Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> I'm saying in this movie that he was the main reason I wanted to watch wow. it, yes. That's saying something. And also... Uh, I you love Schwarzenegger. You love Schwarzenegger. I do love Schwarzenegger. I just... I can't. Ah, I just don't like this movie because this movie doesn't need someone like him in that role. It, but but it true. makes it so much funnier than it is. I mean, this is kind of along the lines of Junior in it. It's putting Arnold in a weird situation or Kindergarten Cop. It's like that, except those are way better movies. I think. Well, I don't know about Junior, but but it's just so. <laughs> it's so like to the end when he dresses up at the parade and he's Turbo Man. It's so bad. I don't know why. It's like <sighs> so bad. It's almost good. Yes, it no, is. And I, no, I, I'm not disagreeing. This is the ugly one. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, well, oddly enough, uh, what's the? I can't remember what it's called. The recent Schwarzenegger movie that was a zombie film. Um, Matt. Oh no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, so anyway, I was saying like he's an older guy. He's older there, but in that sense, that's the first movie I've seen him in where he's more of an everyman. Like he's. There's a much more. He's his acting is on a different level in that movie, and in in Jingle All the Way, I just can't see him in that role. Like it doesn't work for me. I feel like this movie suffered from being a little kind of bipolar, right? Because on the one hand, it feels like a kids movie. It's slapsticky. It's silly. It looks like an episode of Power Rangers. It's it's bad, right? But then on the other hand, you have these really like heavy conversations about my dad was a drunk and he never bought me the toys and he, he messed me up for life and all this stuff. And it's like, wait a minute, what's going on? And like Phil <laughs> Hartman's hitting on his wife and like all this. stuff. It's like, is this a movie for kids or is this a movie for adults? Like, I don't know what the, like, it's too, he- like some of this stuff is really weak. I wouldn't show this to like an eight year old kid. Like some of this stuff they're not going to understand or it's a little too weird. But then it's too goofy to be like something that an adult is really going to appreciate. I don't know. It's just it could. It was all over the place. That's kind of how I felt about Christmas Vacation. I'm just going to throw it out there. (laughs) I'm just going to throw out that you're wrong about that. I'm just going to throw out that. Put the cookie down. (laughs) (laughs) I love it because it's just Arnold being very strange. Yes. and I get that. I get that he's. <laughs> I get it, and I. It, and that's why it's an ugly film. I agree with you. It's an ugly film, because people quote this movie all the time, and and it, in an odd way, it's kind of like, you know, it's about the how bad the consumerism is and having to get these kids. It's it's kind of like the anti-saving Christmas. I mean, it's the opposite approach to it, but I feel like it conveys the message better. I don't know. <laughs> it, it does because it tells a story. It tells that's true. It's a story. 
Arnold does yeah, better it, than Kirk. It, I think it also confirms, though, your suspicion that we need Schwarzenegger to do a movie in his native language, and that would really yes. I'm telling you, he. I still think he's a good actor. I believe that. I don't think he has so much charisma. He's coasted by on that for years. But I think yeah. now in his, you know, what do you call it, his twilight stage of acting? I don't know what you call it, but he's been making some better choices, I think. Yeah. I, I think if he really, really, truly, it's just the way he sounds. He sounds dumb because it just, it's not, he's, it's a second language and it sounds like a second language. Mm-hmm. But anyway I, but, we, I mean, we talked on, about Sinbad's in this movie how can you not like this movie I know we did talk about Schwarzenegger it'd be, it'd be amazing to see him play like a like a Nazi in like a World War II movie like speaking Rommel. like his native we language we to play Erwin Rommel yeah he, I think he'd be awesome in that role for real that's a movie you could see Schwarzenegger winning mm-hmm. an Oscar because they're yeah. talking about now lately with Sylvester Stallone in that movie Creed they're talking about Stallone may get an Oscar so yeah. if it's possible for Stallone to get nominated and get an Oscar Let's get on the bandwagon to get Schwarzenegger and Oscar. Yeah. So, Mr. Schwarzenegger, if you're listening to this. Because I'm sure he <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> it's an award-winning podcast. Mike. It is an award-winning podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's captured the hearts of tens. Yes. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that. Maybe ones. I think, I think pretty much everybody that listens in is, is a guest on our podcast <laughs> yeah. at some point. <laughs> but you know what? In the spirit of Christmas, I just want to give a heartfelt thank you to all those that listen. And uh, we really do appreciate it. We love doing this and we love uh, getting together to uh, have fun and talk about movies. We love movies. Uh, You know, we we cut down a lot of movies. Uh, It's not that we don't like them. We just, you know, it's not that we don't like movies. We just like to really kind of... um, we love to hate him. Except, for, hate except him. for Santa Claus. We don't like Santa Claus. <laughs> no, Santa Claus is awful. No, it's a it, it is a it is a torture. It, <laughs> it's it's worse than Saving Christmas, right? Uh, just barely. Wow, that wow that, that pregnant pause. I wish I kind of want to just focus on this more. Just barely, huh? Just barely. What would it What would it have had to do to be worse? So, you know, remember that whole thing we talk about, about the Pritchard scale, about, like, the importance of a film and the artfulness of which it's done? Yeah. I feel like Saving Christmas get, like, a negative score. Like, it's an important subject, but it's so poorly handled that it gets a negative score rather than, like, I I don't know. It's it's (laughs) awful. Where would Santa Claus (laughs) fall on the Pritchard scale? I'm sorry? Where would Santa Claus fall in the Pritchard scale? See, see, that just gets a flat zero. Because like it it, it, it's, it's not, not artful or important. It's not handled well. There's just a zero. But it communicates the message that Santa Claus lives in a spaceship that hovers above the North Pole and can only visit Earth once a year. Okay, so it gets like a two out of a hundred. Yeah. I mean, that's bad. important to Santa Claus lore. Just as important as Santa Claus beating the snot out of a uh, bald-headed <laughs> <laughs> heretic. Oh, jeez. That's what we needed. We needed Merlin to come save St. Nicholas. That's what it was. That would have been awesome. I'm stuck in the wrong period, Merlin. It got me in a tree, Merlin. Oh, jeez. Now I need to rewatch that movie. No, I don't. Wow, I never thought I'd hear you say that. (laughs) I could make that happen if you want to. No, no, please. Oh, so... um, 
Is Thanks for our, listening. Yeah, is uh, this our last podcast for the year? This is our last podcast for the year. The Christmas special is always our last. So uh, we're starting off the new year with another guest. Charles, uh, you want to introduce it? Yes, he uh, he's uh, he's one of our fans, as we mentioned. One of the I'm not. I think ten is being too generous. <laughs> think think you know. There's Mike, and then now there's Mark. Um, now, so this is another one of those times where we're. You know, we're we're topical, right? Because we this movie, you know, Spectre came out in November, but in January we're gonna do we're gonna do we're gonna do Daniel Craig Bond movies. It's a very specific. We're not just doing Bond movies, we're gonna do Daniel Craig Bond movies. Um so is this kinda like the time that we did the shark movies on a month after Shark Week. Yes. Yes, yes exactly that. <laughs> and Doctor Movies months after we had Doctor <laughs> Mike. After we actually had a doctor on. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Man, so we are on top of this. So, so yes. here, if you guys want to follow along, I mean it's gonna be a long way a little way off because it's me January, but um, Mark's picks in no particular order are there's only four Daniel Craig movies, I just say this beforehand, but his, his picks in no particular order are Quantum of Solace, Spectre, and Casino Royale. So Big no, mystery there. No Skyfall on there, which is kind of surprising, but... No Skyfall. What? Well, one of them had to be the, the odd man out, so... Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It wouldn't have been Skyfall. I don't, I don't know. It's interesting. So, anyway, he'll, he'll be on the next one you hear in the new year. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to make this an awkward pause. <laughs> Everyone's staring at me. I'm just a messenger. Actually, you know what? If we're going to have awkward pauses, this is the perfect podcast to do this after watching Saving Christmas. Exactly. To have the long, awkward pauses. Yep. Yes. I never knew that, Micah. <laughs> I never considered that. Huh. It's just that this is the end of the podcast. <laughs> So let's feast. Yeah, <laughs> let's feast. <laughs> we're, t- we're too good of actors. We we gotta dumb it down, guys. Yeah, that was. <laughs> guys, thanks so much for listening to us. Uh, yes, please rate absolutely. and review us on iTunes. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Good Bad Podcast, or on Facebook at It's Just Awesome. All right, and happy holidays to everyone out there. Hope you guys have a good Christmas and a good New Year's. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Cool. Have a good one. And thank you, Topher, for joining us. Anytime. All right. Bye, guys.